covered a lot of ground in this series, and we're going to be wrapping it up today. But we've talked about all kinds of things, haven't we? We talked about angels, demons. We talked about how to respond to spiritual attacks when they happen. Uh, Keith Belvin did a great job on that. Uh, we've talked about the world of the occult and the paranormal, things like witchcraft and tarot cards and spells and incantations. We talked about um, uh, astrology, uh, about attempting to contact the spirits of those who have died through seances or channeling or using mediums. And the reason we've done all this is because it's important to understand what's at stake in the spiritual realm. Because as we talked about when we started this series, this world that we see isn't all that there is. There's the physical realm and there's the spiritual realm, and together they form one reality. And that's why Paul writes these words in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his power. Put on the full armor of God, not some of it, not part of it. Put it all on. And that means it's your responsibility and my responsibility to put on the armor of God so that you can take your, what's the word? Stand. And you're going to see that word repeated throughout this little passage of scripture so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, once again, I remind you, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And finally, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying in the spirit on all occasions. So as we can see, our lives are um, lived with ongoing battles in the spiritual realm. Battles against evil, battles against the demonic, battles against the, 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 the devil and demons and Satan. And, and if we're not aware of it, we can be overwhelmed. And why does the devil attack us? Why do demonic forces come against us? As we learned last week, it's this, that Satan uses the paranormal to lead you away from God, to entice us, to lure us away, to seduce us, to say there's something out there that's better than God. And you can rely on that. You can find guidance from that. You can find inspiration from that. The spirit of the world is better than the spirit of God. But the Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we have to learn that there's this battle raging because the enemy of our souls wants to take us out. He wants to limit our usefulness to God's kingdom, that we wouldn't grow in Christ, that we wouldn't pursue the things of God, that we wouldn't make a difference for his kingdom, that we wouldn't um, make a difference with our lives. He wants to get us to question God's goodness, to doubt his faithfulness, to rely on self, to live what's comfortable, to do the things that feel good to us, even if they run contrary to what God asks of us. 
So we have to learn that there is a battle raging. And it's a battle that God gives us the weapons to, to stand with, to fight with, the armor to protect us. But it's not really a, a battle that we're called to fight on our own. As a matter of fact, if you try to fight this battle on your own without putting on the armor of God, I guarantee you this, you will lose. And you'll lose big time. But moreover, it's a battle we're not even called to win. If you're trying to win, I have news for you. You'll lose because the battle's already been won. We're not called to fight a battle to win. We're called to stand. That's what we read over and over. Stand, stand, stand your ground. Stand on the victory that Christ has already won. Stand for biblical truth. Stand on the truth of God's word. Don't compromise. Stand for godly values and biblical convictions. Don't give the devil an inch and don't open your life a crack to his influence. That's why James wrote this. Stand firm against the devil and he will flee. Stand in the victory that Christ has already won. So in a little bit, we're going to talk about what the armor of God looks like. But before we dive into that, I want to invite up on stage to join me two women from this church who have experienced an aspect of the paranormal of the occult and led them down a path that they never thought they were going to go to a place they never imagined they'd be. But by God's grace and by his Holy Spirit, their eyes have been opened and they have, uh, they've been set free from that. But they just want to share, and I asked them if they would share some of their experiences so that you can understand that we're not talking about just some innocent little thing out there. This will rip your life and your marriage, your family apart and lead you to a place that you don't want to go. So if Krista Blauser and Chelsea Borders would join me up here, would you just welcome them here this morning? So we're going to uh, just, I'm just going to ask them some questions. They're going to Give, a, give an opportunity to answer, and then we may have a chance for you to ask some questions. We'll see uh, if we have time for that. But let me start by asking you, and, and either of one of you can answer, um, what kind of things were you involved in? What kind of experiences did you have? What, what type of things were you practicing in the world of the occult? Um, so I was heavily into Zodiac, um, firstly, and then came... Um, admiring the moon I thought it was admiring the moon but it was more moon worship mm. later on I realized um, yoga which led to meditation um, tarot cards but also oracle cards which are different numerology um, saging the house you burn sage and it's supposed to take away all this negative energy and also crystals I was heavily into as well. No, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything. No, no, She'll probably fill fine. in the gap. Was your, was your involvement, was your, your experience similar to that? or? Yeah, it was definitely all of those things. Um, and then in addition to that, I would say um, Reiki healing, um, which is like an energy healing where somebody uses their like hands and energy to heal something in your body. Um, the moon stuff you covered. Um, I mean, lots of little things along the way. Um, Enneagram, heavy into yoga. Um, and then I was also experiencing psychic mediumship. So I would do readings for people and readings using the cards and 
numbers, numerology, um, so then applying that to my own life and others' lives and... So all of it was, was really centered around either uh, an energy or a spirit or something either inside you, your own reality, your own uh, force, uh, or something outside yourself, but nothing was, was biblical or God or the Holy Spirit. It was all something else that was out there? Um, so what they teach you is to call on your spirit guides. Okay. And um, they, or the culture says that it could be family members that have passed that are your spirit guides or spirit guides that have been um, assigned to you, but what you don't know is you're dealing with demons right. in reality. So how did you, how did you get introduced how did you start down this path and did you just wake up one day and say this sounds fun or uh no <laughs> i i was introduced through entertainment um mainly movies like um teenage witch i i liked the witchy type stuff so i was into that but also a family member introduced me to these things and i also went to um festivals as well that okay. um, opened the door for me to get more heavily into it as a teenager. Okay. And, and Krista, how about you? How, how did you start down this? Um, yeah, I shared in that I was also always, I remember as a kid, like being very interested in different shows and things like that. Um, all the exorcism movies and things like I just was quite infatuated, I think, with that. Um, but then where it really began to take a hold in my life, I was a young mom. Um, I was really struggling hard with anxiety and depression, and that was manifesting in a growing alcohol addiction. And so I had joined an MLM, which is like an online sales um, platform type thing. And they kind of train you. Um, like how to sell online. And so they encourage you to watch a movie called The Secret and it is all about manifesting and the idea that you have the power to control your own reality. And so uh, that really just took root in my life because I was like, well, clearly I have <laughs> some things that could, um, could be healed and changed. And so um, I just kind of started seeking that out and that really kind of took root and then transpired into the rest of the right. areas. So, so imagine for both of you, you get, you get involved in this and on the front end, everything probably seems good. I mean, even helpful, like, oh, this is, this is beneficial. I've seen some positive changes in my life. But did you find that as, as you continue down that path, it just led to greater dependence uh, on your spirit guides, on, on finding something and needing to keep going back and back to that as opposed to being free and walking in, in freedom? Did it just become, in a sense, bondage? Did you find that, or what, what was kind of the result as you continued? Um, well, searching for that healing of past traumas and things like that, I just feel like that's what we were trying to do, was search for healing, searching for something. Right, so at first, was it, was, did it seem to help? It did, right. it did seem to help, until it didn't. Okay. Yeah, I definitely had a similar experience. I was able to stop drinking um, 
that ended up being replaced with a marijuana addiction because it was just, I mean, whether you can say it is or isn't, like when you are relying on something um, to get you through. Um, so that was very true for me. But if you were to ask me, I would have felt like I had found all this healing. And externally, I think a lot of ways it looked that way. Um, but I know that like one of the kind of traps of it that I recall is that um, it, it is real. Mm. Um, the responses that you're getting, the answers that you are seeking out, like it is real and in many cases it's accurate. Mm. And so if you were to ask me, like when I was doing these readings and things, I felt like not having any biblical knowledge, but I felt like this must be a gift from God because I knew that it wasn't coming from myself. There would be no way that I would know or have access to that information. So I think that I knew that there was something, um, but then definitely in the end, um, I, things were absolutely declining. Right. And, and so you're, you're, there's a whole community out there, right, of, of people that, that are involved in this, um, and, and you're all taught to kind of just define your own reality and, and, and uh, elevate your own divinity, right? And, and so... If you were wrestling with anything, could you even acknowledge that to them? Or was it just, you just need to, to do better? You need to be more spiritual. Um, it, a lot of it circles around the fact, like, what, what you generally see is people that are getting caught up in this is people who are broken, and which we know is all of us. Um, <laughs> and so with the access to online, a lot of that world kind of lives online. Um, so what they would say to something like that is that, oh, it's something that has to be healed. Like you have to, you know, let it flow through and heal and then you'll, you know, be healed from it essentially. Um, but to, to what you're trying to get to, like, I think where you would let it emotionally affect you is where you're like, wait, but I'm responsible for my reality, mm. so I can't, um, I can't feel that. Like, right. I have to push it aside, and oh, it doesn't exist. Right. So you're both, we're both married at this, right? And you're starting down this path. And so, Chelsea, what was your, your husband, Matt? What was his kind of response? And and your husband, Rich, what were they, what were they thinking about all this? You said Rachel, but her name's Krista. Yes, that's what but, I meant. I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even hear it. <laughs> so, oh. no. um, so first, he thought I was completely weird, which is normal. I think he still thinks that. Um, but then he started to get very frustrated with me because I couldn't leave the house without my crystals, without feeling anxiety. Mm. I was saging the house, I don't know, three times a day, which all of them in my house hated that smell, first of all. <laughs> um, but then I think he started to get worried because it was getting worse. Mm. Um, but that's how he reacted, but you know, I tried to get him involved in those things, but he was raised in a Christian home, and I believe that his discernment um, is what protected him. And our he household. wasn't involved, but he saw that there was something really happening in your life. That yeah, like yeah, and I told him that he wouldn't understand because he would wasn't raised in it or anything so right. he just didn't get it and um he's not a man of many words um 
And honestly, if he would have told me something, I would have went the opposite way because mm. I was rebellious in nature gotcha. then. Yeah. And Krista, how about you? What was Rich? What was he like? In- um, Rich, Rich was not raised with that same like Christian foundation to know that there was a strong moral um, opposition there. He also definitely thought I was weird. Um, he just kind of, I think it accepted it and was like, meh, some things are better. Like maybe she's figured something out. I don't know. I'm going to let her go. Um, but then definitely in the end, I think that he, he also was worried. Um, there's a lot of isolation and things mm-hmm. that happen. So I, I think it, if, if you were to like live inside our household, um, I very much was not present. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be you know, kind of closed off. Um, and so I think that was kind of his, where he was at with that. Right. So a lot of isolation, a lot of closing off. So if someone, I mean, Chelsea, you mentioned that, hey, if, if Matt had said something, I would have just done the opposite. If anyone, whether it was your husband's family, friends, had, had kind of warned you and said, hey, this isn't good. This is leading to a place of harm and, and ultimately destruction. And, and this is, is evil. Would you all have listened or would, what would your responses have been? No, my, what I would have thought is they haven't been enlightened yet. Okay. Because I have. So they so, just didn't have the knowledge. Right. They yeah. didn't have the knowledge. They weren't awake. Um, things like that. Um, yeah, I, I would have just kept doing what I was doing. Only mm. the Lord could open my ears and eyes. Mm and lift the veil ultimately. And same for you? Yeah, I I think the same thing. Um, The one thing that I've kind of wondered between the two of us now, looking back, talking about it, I do wonder what our response would be if we were to hear the testimony of somebody who had been involved Mm. with it, because there is a lot of of that idea that like, oh, they just don't know, like they've not, experience what we've experienced and like you know and again like the stuff that is happening is real so it's like how do you argue with that to someone um but i do wonder if we were to see somebody who was able to speak to the actual things that we had been through and then to make us aware of the flip side i i do wonder if that would have been something that would be able to catch our attention yeah so what was it that then, then, was there a moment, was there something specific that kind of all of a sudden opened your eyes to like, this is not the life that I want, this is not helping me, this is actually leading me to, to a place that's, that's not good? Yeah, uh, for me, I was in a crisis myself, um, and my marriage was in a pretty big crisis, and my relationship with my children was suffering. I was very much isolated um, in my room a lot, meditating for hours. And um, yeah, it was, and I, I did, I became very angry. Mm. Um, and the only thing that seemed to help that was smoking marijuana. Okay. And that was um, the lie that the enemy told me is I'm a better person on that. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that was a pivotal moment. I was doing things that I swore I would never do. Um, and I, I was involved in it. I was very rebellious and just in a very dark place, the darkest place you could ever mm. imagine. 
and then did, did some, so you're in this dark place and what made you decide like I'm going to leave this and pursue the Lord? Well, Matt and I, we decided to work on the crisis at hand that was happening and um, I don't know, I honestly think it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit mm. that came upon me. Right. I felt a heavy demonic presence leave me suddenly um, in that moment with him. And, um, and then, you know, later, months later, you gave a sermon mm. that talked about crystals. And I, I don't know. It just hit, uh, convicted me. It mm. convicted me and her too. And then we started researching and so you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you said, yeah. okay, God, I'm going to live for you. Yeah. But in that time, I mean, was it like an instantaneous thing or did you try and go back to those things and realize like it's not the same as it was because of right. the presence of God in your life? I was still dabbling in those things, but it felt very icky to mm. me. You can right. tell I have little kids. <laughs> Yucky. Um, you get to seal the evil. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it didn't feel right to me. Right. Um, but it wasn't until months later after that sermon that I did make those changes um, and rid of my house and my life of those things. And what about for you, Krista? What, what was that pivotal moment for you? Yeah, I think that Chelsea was just a little bit ahead of me and they, she had started coming here regularly and then invited me to come and, you know, my step in coming was very much not like, oh, I'm going to meet Jesus. It was like, I'm going to go for my friend. Right. I'm going to go be there with her because she's doing this. And, you know, I, I'm, I can probably take something from it. And um, we, the worship started and I had no idea what that was. So right. I was very uncomfortable standing <laughs> there in the back, like very awkward. And then tears just started rolling down my face and I'm panicking, right? I'm like, what is happening? Um, and so still weeks after that, I kept coming back and then there was that sermon and it was like we were sitting our little families right in a row and I kind of went home and just had that moment, I think, where I really just surrendered to God. And I mm. was like, I, I don't understand. You know, I don't feel like an evil person. I don't get it. Like, we were never seeking evil. Like, that was not the goal in any of the things we were doing. And he just dropped into my head, new mm. age to Jesus. And I got online and I started researching it. And it was like, in a moment, I just found all these testimonies. And I just knew in a moment, he lifted that veil and I could just feel the magnitude of the deception just was like, you know, every single foundation that I had built my life on was just yeah. gone. And then it was a series of removing yeah. the things. Well, yeah. And then you, I mean, you came to faith in Christ. Your husband, Rich did, you both got baptized and, um, and you were baptized. And so it's, it's, it's exciting to see the, the journey that, that God has taken you on. You go down this path, but God's grace turns you back and, and, and to see where you are now. So if you were going to give a word of, of caution or advice to someone who's, who's involved in those things or is considering it or just 
it's not a big deal. It's, it's just harmless. What would you say to them? Um, I think that I would encourage you to take a really good inventory. Um, do you feel truly fulfilled? Like if you're allowing yourself to, to be honest, like does this feel as good as all the constant things you're seeking? Like I, I remember feeling like, wow, I'm doing all this stuff. Like I should, I should feel better. Um, but if I was being honest, I didn't. Um, and just encouraging someone to know that like, you don't have to always be chasing something. Like there is a God that you don't have to work and chase. And like, there is a truth that you can just settle into and, um, I think just encouraging them to really question and look at that. Um, I would say that was, that was really good. Um, <laughs> man, I don't know. I would say to tread lightly, for sure, to take an inventory of everything, but also um, when you do come across, if you are in that, it's okay to be afraid mm. because that's all that you've known. Mm. Um, it's okay to let it go and mm. it's okay to not live like the world. It's okay to, um, get on the narrow path. Yeah. Um, yeah. and avoid, avoid the edge. Yeah. Don't, don't walk right avoid, to the edge. Avoid the edge because yeah. you will do things that you thought that you would never do. Um, you will look in the mirror and not recognize yourself and even question if you're even anybody at all. Mm. So. One more thing that is coming to my mind that I remember having this moment is um, I used to just like free journal. And I remember one day I was journaling and I was looking at my relationships in my life. Mm. So, I can guarantee you if that is something you're tangled up in, you will look at your relationships and see that they're not as strong as what you would hope. Um, and I remember that being kind of one of those tower moments when I was looking at all the relationships with my family, um, my husband, my children, they weren't well. Mm. And um, so you can't possibly be living a fulfilled life if you're just living it alone right. um, or right. with people just online. Like, right. um, you know, that can't possibly be the reason that you were created. So it doesn't, it doesn't expand your world. It really yeah. shrinks it more and more, yeah. Um, so before, I'm gonna ask one last question. Do, do any of you, now they don't have to answer. You can ask, I'll decide if they have to answer. Uh, but are, are there any questions for either of these ladies here? Yes. So, since you were involved in this dark spirit realm, coming to know um, Christ, did it, did it help to understand that there is a rich and spirit world and it is important, the importance of aligning yourself with the spirit of truth and light and, and making that comparison? Was it just that distinction? Did you sense that? Yeah, so I'm going to restate the question just so everyone can hear it. Um, and, and if this is wrong, then this is the question you'll answer. Um, <laughs> so, so having had that experience, 
uh, and being able to see it in juxtaposition to the, the reality of who Christ is and the Spirit of God, um, being able to see those two in, side by side, so to speak, did that, you know, did that help you to, to and is it helping you to walk in truth and, and freedom? Yeah, I, I can say that I remember feeling such a weight of fear. Um, I think once God had kind of revealed everything, just the reality of what I had been messing with and um, opening up my family to and opening up myself to. And so I think that it made that very real. Um, I'm not sure if that quite answers what Rita was saying, but I, I just still, I still, I, I feel like I can't unsee mm. what, what I've seen and experienced. And it has made like the light of God, I think so much. Um, it just is so yeah. real. I don't, you can't argue with that. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's things that her and I cannot unsee now. Um, that line between dark and light are very, it is very prominent. Like we can see it. Um, we say, unfortunately for us, we can't unsee it now, but it's our testimony of right. Jesus. And um, sometimes it's scary, but then we realize we're with the Lord now and now we are safe. Yeah. Um, but did that answer your question, Rita? Okay. <laughs> Any other questions? All right, well, I have one last question for both of you. Would you say your lives are better now walking with Christ than they were walking that path of the, of the new age, occult, paranormal? A hundred percent, a million percent better. <laughs> um, my marriage has been completely restored. Mm. I... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> ten years you celebrated, eh? What? Ten, ten years. years. Yes, ten years in October. And, you know, Matt and I love each other more than we could ever imagine. It's um, only a love that can come from God, honestly. Um, my relationship with my children is better. My relationship even with my own family is better. I don't know if it's because I'm completely changed as a person. Um just made new. I just think that I see people um, through God's eyes. Mm. Now I'm not so defensive and that's wonderful on edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's just there's nothing in our lives that looks the same anymore. Um, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, um, just the things that God has added to our lives. Rich and I now serve in youth group, and hmm. it, it's just like there's nothing that looks the same in the best way. And um, I, not that there aren't days that are hard and <laughs> problems and things like that, but I often feel like I just wake up and I'm like, I, if it hadn't happened in my life, if he hadn't done it in my life, I would have a hard time believing hmm. it. That's awesome. Okay. a good question. Yeah. What can parents do? 
I think that being an open conversation about it is helpful. Um, the, and also I think that parents need to be educated on what's um, on these TikTok reels or whatever they're called. I'm not on social media anymore, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think that you need to educate yourself on what they're seeing um, so that you can better talk to them. Um, I would hope that our teenagers in this congregation have discernment. I, I think we all pray that over them. But it is hard because there's symbols and things that are thrown in shows and movies. And a lot of people don't see those things, um, but they are there and they are opening the door. Um, entertainment, the first word is enter. So, um, you know, just really have discernment and um, just having that open conversation. They might roll their eyes and think that you're so uncool, <laughs> but I think that they will always remember it. Um, and then they'll teach it to their children too. Now, I mean, I think similar. Um, I think the best thing that you can do is research it because um, it is it is everywhere. And I think because we have walked it in this way, I mean, it is a bit disturbing to go online because it is just so ingrained. I mean, like I know I've had conversations with some um, of the youth and it's like, you know, we've had this conversation like I know and you know, you can't scroll through something and you're not running into it. Um, you're going to encounter it. So I think being equipped to definitely to have these conversations and not sweep it under the rug because it, if your child is in the world and they are, um, they're going to they're gonna see it, they're gonna encounter it. You can buy cards, you can buy all these things at Walmart at this point. Right. Um, it is not like, it is available yeah. um, and it is, it's in shows, it's, it's just, you know, nudged in all the little places. And I, I feel like, oh, I'm gonna, sorry. <laughs> um, but like, it's, it's sneaky too. We've got the whole concept of like the Enneagram things. And it's like, look into the root of some of these things and where they come from. Um, they come from a place. So it's, I don't know. Be mindful and, and educate. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Well, would you, would you just uh, let these two ladies know you appreciate them. Thank you for being willing to share. We love you guys. We love your families. Thank you for being willing to, to share that part of your story and, um, and God's goodness and faithfulness in, in getting you through that. And, and God is good and he is faithful. So it, we don't need to be afraid. The whole point is not being afraid of what's out there. The point is having confidence in who lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I want to talk just briefly, and I'm, you're never going to have heard me talk so quick in my life, um, about something you can do to, to prepare yourself for battle, because battle is coming. There is a war being waged. You need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare your family and your kids, and it's by putting on the armor of God. So I just want to walk through the different pieces of the armor that, that Paul mentioned uh, the first is the belt of truth. Now, you might think the belt, what, what good is the belt? Well, for a Roman soldier, what the belt did was it gave them two primary uh, advantages. One, they could tuck their robe up into the belt when they were going into battle. So there would be nothing to encumber them, no hindrances. They could move freely. 
The other thing was uh, it, the, off of their belt, they would hang their weapons so that their hands could be free, but they'd have quick access to whatever weapons they had, a sword, a dagger, a club. And so when we put on the, the belt of truth, what we're in, meant to do is be encircled by truth. The enemy wants to come in, and where is he going to attack us? In truth. Jesus is the truth. We're meant to be wrapped in truth so that we can discern truth from a lie. Because as we learned in this series, Satan is the father of lies. He wants to deceive us. So we have to be inundated with the truth to know what the truth is, to stand on truth, to not compromise, to know that this is God's truth, and I'm going to stand on God's truth, to have quick access to it, that all our weapons, everything we have hangs on truth. So when anything attacks truth, we're ready to respond. The next thing is this, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, a, a breastplate wasn't just on the front. Sometimes you'll hear people say that it was, just, it was just on the front of the body. That's not entirely true. It wrapped all around the torso. And the, the design was not just to protect the heart, but all the vital organs, lungs and everything else from a frontal assault, but also from the back. And so we're called to be wrapped in righteousness. Now, righteousness in the Bible, when it uses the term righteous or righteousness, it means to be in right standing with God. And so when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, what it's telling us is two things. One, we have positional righteousness. When you come to faith in God through Jesus Christ, you become, the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ. We are positioned, we are made right with God, positionally righteous. We don't have to go there, we're placed there through faith. But there's also situational righteousness. What that means is how we live day in and day out. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, our behaviors. Learning to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. It's what we do and say and how we behave to live a life of holiness of heart. But it also says, hey, there's times where we let our guard down and a, and a sword thrust makes it through. But if we have the breastplate of righteousness, it doesn't kill us. We own our sin. We admit to it. We go to God and say, will you forgive me? I messed up. And situationally, we walk in righteousness. But please hear me. If you aren't serious about holiness and righteousness, you're made vulnerable to the enemy. It protects those vital parts of our life, our integrity and our character. We have to walk in righteousness. The next piece of equipment is this. The sandals of the gospel of peace. Roman sandals were laced up around the calf and they were, they were uh, tightly fitted. They were made and designed to be very rugged so that they wouldn't wear down. They could walk miles and miles and miles and miles, but they're also lightweight and provided sure footing in battle. So when we put on the sandals of the gospel of peace, it does a few things. One, it allows us to move where God asks us to move, to go where God asks us to go, to be agile and light. It also provides peace in the battle. Sure footing, when, when the battle's raging, we can have peace. It also allows us to endure, to last, to, to go on, to not grow weary in doing good. The other thing is, it's the gospel of peace. It reminds us that everywhere we go, we bring the hope of salvation with us. That wherever you go, wherever I go, we take the gospel with us. That's why in Romans 10.15 it says, How beautiful 
are those are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. We're meant to bring the gospel everywhere that we go. The next piece of armor is this, the shield of faith. Roman shields were big. They, they, they weren't small little things. They were approximately four feet tall and two and a half feet wide and had a, and a curve to them. So a grown man could get behind it. And they were made to endure. They were made from two pieces of wood that were glued together, covered in canvas, and then wrapped in leather, and then they had uh, metal edging and a and piece of steel embossed in the center. And that was for defensive purposes. It was also used to, to ram against doors and strongholds. Um, and more, more off, uh, moreover than that, they were also able to link them together to form a shield wall so that soldiers in tight quarters could, could link up like that and would encircle them and it would protect the, above them as well. And in a time, if they were going to a siege, one of the things they would do with their shields is they would soak them in water. They made them heavier, but it also allowed when fire arrows were shot at them and the arrows lodged into the shields, it would extinguish the arrows. And so when the enemy, and that's what Paul wrote, extinguishes the fiery arrows of the enemy, when he lobs arrows at us, it protects us. What arrows? Arrows of doubt, arrows of uh, shame, arrows of guilt and condemnation, arrows of accusation, arrows of, of anger and lust. Those arrows that are fired at us, when we have the shield of faith, it protects us. And we can link up with other people in the household of faith to carry one another, to encourage one another, to support one another, to press forward together. We're not meant to fight this battle alone because we're placing our faith. It's a shield of faith. It's faith in something greater than us, someone greater than us. It's faith in God. It's not our faith. It's, it's our faith in Him, in His promises, that He's good, that He's faithful. And when we have faith in God, it allows the power of God to move in us. Faith in God releases the power of God. So we have to carry that shield of faith everywhere we go and be ready. The next piece of equipment is the helmet of salvation. And with the helmet of salvation, obviously a helmet protects your head, right? And some of them had eye guards to protect your eyes and, and, and along the side of your face. Why do we have a helmet of salvation? Because lies from the enemy will come. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't have a plan and a purpose for you. God doesn't even like you. But this is amazing. When we come to faith in God through Christ, the Bible tells us we're adopted into God's family. He becomes our father. In that day and age, in that culture, it was an interesting thing. A father, and it was primarily a father, but parents could disown their biological children. They could disown them. Say, you're dead to me and cut them off. But if a parent adopted a child... Legally, they could never cut them off. The, didn't, the only one who could sever that relationship was the adopted child, not the parent. So what that tells us is God, when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, we put on that shield, or we put on that helmet of salvation. And when the enemy whispers, God hates you, you're a failure, you're good for nothing. God sees you as anything but a lovable child. We say, I know who I am in Christ. I am his child. There's nothing in our relationship with God that should make us fearful or anxious about our position in him. And that's what the helmet of salvation does. And the last piece of equipment is the sword of the spear. Now here's the thing. That's the only weapon we're given. Everything else is armor. We're given one weapon, the sword of the spear. And the word here, sword, isn't really a long sword. It's what a Roman soldier would have had, a short sword or, or like a dagger. It was used in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And we're told that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. 
It's the only weapon we have, and it's the one weapon that Jesus wielded when he was tempted by the devil. Forty days he prayed and fasted, and the devil came and tempted him. And what was Jesus' response to every temptation? It is written. The Word of God says. He fought with the Word of God. Now, it's interesting. If you look at the grammatical structure of that statement, it is written. In the original language, it, it carries this idea. What this is what the, the, the idea is, that what was written remains written. Now, that doesn't make sense to our, our, in English. It is written. What, re, what was written remains written. But it's the idea that Jesus is saying, what was written then continues to bear truth now. It continues to have value today. Whenever something comes and attacks truth, we could stand on what God said because it is true still today. So we, we take and we wield the word of God against attacks, against lies, against anything that will threaten what the truth is. Why do you think, have you ever wondered why it is that the Bible is so often attacked? Right? In our culture, in our day, in media, oh, the Bible's not true, you can't trust it, it's outdated, it's old-fashioned, only simple people, only, only foolish people, only uneducated people would ever believe the Bible. Why do you think that happens over and over and over? Why do you think, listen, I know people that can read huge novels, and you say read the Bible for 10 minutes, and they fall asleep. Why do you think it's so hard to read and study the Bible? Because the enemy wants to disarm you, and the only weapon you have is the Word of God, and if he can take that weapon out of you, then all you have is nothing. You have nothing to fight with. And he knows if you're disarmed, then you're an easy target. Because he knows that the word of God is the only thing that we have that can shred him, that can poke holes in his lies, and that can destroy his purposes that he's trying to bring against you. That's why in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So we need to have the word of God in our hearts, ready to wield at a moment's notice. So what does all this mean? We live in this world, but there's a world outside of this world, a world of the spiritual realm where there's battles raging and, and we're tempted and we're lured into things. It's telling us that we need to put on the armor of God because we need to be prepared for battle. A follower of Christ in full armor can not only stand, but strikes fear in the heart of evil. We're called to stand our ground. We're called to push up against the gates of hell itself. We're called to take ground for God's kingdom, and you can't do that if your armor is sitting in a closet somewhere. See, God's given you the armor, but if you don't put it on, what good does it do you? So if you find yourself in your life struggling spiritually, weak in some area, losing ground in your life, take a look at the armor and ask yourself, am I putting it on every day? Every day I need to put on the armor of God. So what we have for everyone here this morning, on your way out, there's a table, and it's got these coins, the Armor of God coins, and it's a reminder, and there, you can get more information. John, Claude, uh, John Eldridge and his wife Claudette are out there, and they'll explain it to you, but it's a coin, and it's the Armor of God, and it's just a reminder, every day, put on the Armor of God. Every day, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Every day, make sure that you are walking in truth, that the belt of truth is around your waist. Every day, make sure that the breastplate of righteousness 
is securely on, that you know that I am situationally going to be a person, a man or woman of integrity. Every day, make sure that you're protecting your head from the lies of the enemy. Every day, say there's an opportunity to advance the gospel in someone's heart and life. And every day, I'm going to walk in faith. I need not be afraid. So take an inventory. Is the, is the armor in place? Does it need to be strengthened? Is it weak in some area? Does it not fit properly? See, it's your armor. God's given it to you. And here's what I've learned. One, it's not your dad's armor. It's not your mom's armor. It's not the pastor's armor. It's not your friend's armor. It's your armor. It's got to fit you. Think about King uh, uh, David when he went to fight Goliath and King Saul said, here, wear my armor. And David said, I can't wear it. It's not mine. It's not tested. It doesn't fit right. You can't rely on someone else's armor. You need your armor. Hone the sword. Bury it in your heart so you are ready at a moment's notice. The second thing is this. You won't wake up one moment and the armor just fall on you. When the battle rages, the armor doesn't just appear like the armor of Iron Man. You have to intentionally put it on. You have to be deliberate, right? If we were down south, I'd say, don't get caught with your britches down. Don't, don't be caught unaware. There is a battle raging and you don't know when that battle's going to come. You don't know when that, what, that lie is going to be whispered in your ear to tempt you down a path that you don't want to go. Be prepared, be prepared, be prepared for battle. Don't be afraid. All you need, you don't even need to win the battle, as I said. You just need to stand your ground. Don't give the devil an inch. Don't open the door a crack and be ready to fight a battle. You don't have to win. Jesus has already won, but be prepared. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your word that is alive and active and sharper than, in two, than any two-edged sword. God, I thank you for your grace when you have set people and delivered them from bondage and addiction. God, I thank you for the testimonies that we heard today from Chelsea and Krista, God, that, that by your grace and by your Holy Spirit, you brought them back from the very edge of destruction, marriages and families and lives that were gonna fall apart. But God, you're so good and you're so gracious. God, for anyone here who's thinking about journeying down that path or maybe is a few steps or a few miles down that path, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you turn them around? And God, would you keep all of us firmly rooted that we would stand firm when we've done everything we can do, when we've put on all the armor, that we would stand firm, that we would resist the devil and he will flee. We stand on that promise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. So I'm going to invite the prayer teams up here. and We're going to just sing a few last songs, celebrate who God is. But if you'd like prayer this morning about anything, something we talked about, you're, you've dabbled in the occult, you've dabbled in some things, and, and you need some help, or maybe you've never even put on the armor of God, and you just want someone to pray with you that you'd start to do that regularly and consistently. Or maybe you need prayer about something else. You need, you need healing in your life physically, relationally, emotionally. You just need a word from God and encouragement. You just need some help. Whatever it is, there are going to be prayer teams up here during these songs. And then also when our service is done, they'll still be up here if you'd like prayer. I know sometimes it's hard to walk up in front of everybody. But don't allow apprehension to keep you from connecting with God through prayer here this morning. 
So I'm going to invite you to stand as we worship and celebrate who God is.